Our Untangled Minds by CUSM is for informational purposes only and does not constitute professional medical or psychological advice, diagnosis, and or treatment. Please make sure if you do have any questions or concerns that are medical or psychological in nature that you seek out a physician or qualified mental health provider for further help. Furthermore, the information, viewpoints, or opinions expressed in this podcast are solely the views of the individuals that are involved. They do not represent absolute fact and are subject to change at any point in time. CUSM does not accept responsibility for these views. Lastly, the names and details of any medical stories shared in this episode have been edited for privacy. And welcome back to Our Untangled Minds. My name is Rialaxa. I'm a rising M2, and I'm going to be your host for today's episode. And today, I am so happy to be joined by Dr. Bao Bu, a recent graduate who will be pursuing radiology starting at Harbor UCLA for preliminary surgery. Um, he's with us today to not only share the excitement of matching, but also the behind the scenes emotional roller coaster that it can be for a lot of medical students. Um, welcome, Bao. Hello, dear Ria. Thank you so much for having me here. And feel free to call me Bao for this episode. Perfect. I jumped the gun and just said Bao, but that's good to know that it was okay. Um, all right, so can you give us a brief little intro as to how you got interested in pursuing medicine in the first place? Sure, yeah. So I always loved the sciences in general during high school, so it was way more objective compared to, you know, English and history, where some of this can be very subjective and then you know the teacher can just give you an F because she didn't like what you wrote but uh, that's so real <laughs> so that's so true so um decided to you know go you know in the sciences direction and I was between technology and medicine and my whole family is in technology so my dad's a telecommunications engineer my older brother he studied EE and he's now a senior software developer so I thought I would just go in that direction uh, but then a mentor of mine, um, I think he remembered that I might have briefly mentioned medicine in high school, but then I just never really thought much about it. But then he decided to let me shadow him at Harborview Medical Center, which was a level one trauma center in Seattle. And I really loved my experience over there. So I did pediatrics. I did some trauma surgery and radiology at the time. And I was like, oh, like, this is super interesting and just like the human aspect of it. So. Um, I just remember this one patient that, unfortunately, he had a lawn mowing accident and kind of lost all of his toes. And, you know, like, no no matter like, how advanced technology is, you can't really restore, like, you know, the original function of that. So just seeing the interactions of, like, you know, the doctors and, you know, you can't, like, reverse what happened. But then there's always like, you know, a way to, like, move forward with, like, you know, rehab or some other ways to help so that like human touch really motivated me to kind of jump away from the you know engineering the hard sciences into a career in medicine wow i completely relate to that idea of like this is you know this field that my family is all involved in um and i want to kind of forge my own path and and like i like i also love science but i also want to be kind of doing something that feels unique to me and like do something that i know is like the choice that I've made, right? Um, I can definitely relate to that. Also, the toes thing—that's wild. I, yeah, I, I could definitely see how um, kind of witnessing that sort of patient encounter could really drive you to to want to pursue medicine and make that your career. Um, so I know that you're interested in radiology. 
could you expand a little bit what got your interest into that part of medicine? Um, sure. So as I mentioned before, I did a little bit of radiology shadowing at the time, but I never really considered it too seriously as a specialty um, at the time because you know, I was still in college at the time, and that's like you know way too early to kind of decide. But so around the second year of college, I decided to go into medicine, and I want to apply to a whole bunch of internships and kind of get some experiences because you know medical school you need some experiences or maybe I should say a lot of experiences to uh, maybe get your application looked at. So I applied to uh, interested at Harvey Medical Center called the Insight Program. And I was still registered as a chemical engineering major at the time. So when I got the internship, they assigned me to a neuroradiology project with Dr. Mamoun Mosavasha. Uh, so that project was trying to kind of figure out to set standard guidelines to differentiate between cerebral fat emboli where um, in trauma where your long bones get broken and some fat can leak in into like the brain and cause hemorrhage versus diffuse axonal injury where if you have let's say like a car crash and then like the brain just like slams like back and forth in the skull um, so in a lot of older MG technology like ct or like x-ray i think it's mostly ct but it's really difficult for radiologists to kind of, you know, make the distinction between those two pathologies. And it's like super important to get the right diagnosis because the management is much different between those two um, conditions. So luckily there was some research at the time that showed MRI was able to kind of help radiologists differentiate between the two with a good amount of confidence. Um, So I was like mostly, you know, looking at patient charts, but just looking at the images with the radiologist, it was just super cool just to see like all just like the brain and all the things that can happen during trauma. Um, so that you know kind of got me exposed to like the field in general. Um, but I also did a lot of primary care shadowing as well, uh, just because like University of Washington, my undergrad, they're huge on primary care. So just naturally, a lot of the opportunities I got to pre med were you know primary care oriented. Um, so moving on to med school, I was kind of in like, you know, primary care versus radiology because they're both super broad. You can deal with a whole bunch of different you know, body systems and pathologies. Um, but the clincher was during clinical rotations. So it was actually my neurology rotation that kind of clinched it for me. So in neurology, so before we see our patients, we would do like imaging rounds. So if we had any new imaging for our patients, the student in charge of that patient would be put in the hot seat and had to interpret the imaging. And as, you know, clueless M3s, we've been wrong 90% of the time. But it was very, very fun to kind of go through packs, which is like the imaging system, and scroll and try to figure out what's going on. And I just got very excited every single time I got put in that hot seat just because, you know, it's my own patient. I, you know, I want to, you know, try to figure out what's going on with them and it was just like super fun to try to piece things together and really, you know, figure out like what's the next step for my patient. So after that rotation, I kind of decided to go into radiology over primary care. Wow. That makes me so excited to hear. Like, that's how you know, right? When you're in a situation where you're on a rotation and you realize, like, this is something that excites me. Like, if this is my everyday, I'll be really happy. So would you say, like, that moment or, like, that experience on your rotation was what made you solidify, like, this is this is what I want to do. 
Um, that was like one of like many experiences. Yeah, there were a couple of other experiences that kind of solidified my decision to go into radiology, but also, you know, kind of unfortunately, you know, pushed down some other specialties. Um, I think the main thing was, you know, unfortunately, the people that you sometimes work with. So I did promise myself that I wouldn't let the other people I work with influence my decision, but that unfortunately ended up happening. So there were a few rotations where. Um, it was just like the most like disengaging like rotation. Like literally a middle schooler could have done what I did. Like it, there's this one rotation I won't mention the rotation of the attending, but he literally only wanted two sentences, an ID statement, which is like you know this is a 16 year old guy who got his face burnt by an acne kai, and then like one thing we're doing for the patient. So like, we're getting an MRI. He literally just wanted two sentences. If I went longer, he would just turn around ignore everything else I was saying, maybe open the door and say hi to the patient and then move on. So, like, rounds, like, we would round on 20 patients in, like, you know, 30 minutes, but it was just super disengaging, but also it was just, like, oh, like, this isn't really the way I wanted to treat patients. So, you know, just, like, super unfortunate that, like, you know, if I went somewhere else with, like, you know, more engaging um, attendings that maybe my choice especially would have been changed, but, you know, that's, you know, just, unfortunately, just a experiences I had and um but though I feel very fortunate still that you know I had those other like positive experiences in like neurology but also my away rotations that really solidified my choice of going to radiology yeah yeah I mean definitely like the people around us and like the environment we're in I feel like definitely play a factor into the things that we end up being pulled and drawn to so I could see how that I could see how that could impact it um maybe in another world that rotation is different but you're on this timeline (laughs) Okay, um, transitioning a little bit more into kind of our focus of today's podcast, the match. Um, could you start us off with that conversation, just explaining what exactly the match is for our listeners today? Sure. Yes. Yeah. So the match is the year-long process, usually done during the fourth year of medical school, to um, get into a residency program. So even though I have my MD right now, I don't have any like certifications or I should say board certification for a particular specialty. So even if I, you know, after I take step three, which is like the last board exam in quotes, and I can technically practice independently, but for a lot of hospitals or clinics, they want to hire people with board certification. So they are certified in, let's say, family medicine, radiology, general surgery. So you have to complete a residency to be eligible to take the exam for that specialty and then get board certified. So the process of matching is you get the application, it's called ERATS, which kind of opens in June, which allows you to upload your letters of recommendation, put in personal statements. So it's very, very similar to kind of like applying to medical school in a way. Um, so you get like a couple months to kind of gather all those materials. And then at the end of September, the program directors, which are kind of like the people in charge of selecting residents and the Red Sea in general, they can start seeing applications and start offering interviews. And interview season ranges anywhere from October all the way until February. So that's kind of like the busiest season is, you know, going to a whole bunch of interviews. And then in February, both the applicants and the programs will put in a list of 
you know, in order, like, you know, this is, like, my first choice, my second choice, so for applicants like myself, we were like, oh, like, I want this program first, I want this program second, and then the programs do the same thing, so we want this student first, this student second, and so forth. And then the NRMP, which is the host for the algorithm, it kind of does like the stable marriage algorithm, prioritizing the applicant. So they try to place the applicant in their highest position possible, but it does compare it to like the programs list. So basically they have to rank each other like, you know, high enough in a sense to get a successful match. So that process kind of happens between February and March. And then in the middle of March, I think it's second week of March, if I remember correctly, it's called Match Week. So the Monday of Match Week, both the applicants and programs get notified whether they have matched or they have filled up their spots um, or not. For the people, a person like me, that partially or fully did not match, we get that whole week to participate in SOAP, uh, which is like the Supplemental Upward Acceptance Program. And then Friday is like the, the big day where everyone opens their envelopes and celebrates that oh, yeah, I match into, you know, X program at this specialty. I see. And for you, so how did you start preparing for that whole process? Sure, yeah. So the process for that, I think it starts during M3. So our school, they actually opened our ERAS applications a little bit early for us to ask our M3 preceptors to write letters and upload them. For us, which was pretty nice. So I wasn't asking, you know, my attendings that I thought I worked well with and had like a good outlook on me to, you know, write letters for me. You know, it's it's really rough because a lot of them like ended up like ghosting or like kind of forgetting that it happened. So it was it was really rough. Like for myself, a lot of my classmates getting letters to actually just like you know follow through was probably one of the most annoying parts of the application process. Um, and then during the beginning of M4, end of M3, we were applying to away rotations, which are rotations that are outside of hostels contracted by our school. And a lot of us use this as an opportunity to kind of explore other programs that we were interested in or, you know, try to break into another geographical region. So for me, I wanted to attempt to, you know, break into like the East Coast because I lived in Seattle my whole life. I go to medical school in Southern California. so. Pretty much, I only had connections in the West Coast, and I decided to kind of be, like, intentional. Okay, maybe I should try to break into, like, the Midwest. So I did, like, a rotation in Ohio through Akron General, and then I did a rotation at UF Jacksonville, so to try to break into that region. And then I decided to do a little bit of reaching to Washington St. Louis for a cardiothoracic radiology rotation. Um, so you, we kind of do rotations during the first half of M4 to try to get letters from the specialty, and I did get one person to agree to write one, but unfortunately, he went on vacation twice <laughs> during <laughs> the application season, so unfortunately, I never got a Riyaji letter, so I literally had to scramble to get, like, two letters. This was after, like, apps were sent out, so luckily I had an ob and a Pete's preceptor from Victorville that... Thank God they wrote me letters and sent them in. So I I got the three letters required, like, super late. So that was a little bit messy in the beginning. So yeah, the preparation, that's probably the 
most tedious part of M4, just because of all the unpredictability that comes with it. Yeah, that seems stressful. Um, but you did it. You went through it. Um, can you talk about a little what that whole process looks like specifically for for pursuing radiology? I'm sure, yes. So for radiology specifically, a lot of the programs are called what we call advanced programs. Um, so I should probably go over the different types of programs first. Um, so there's the classic like categorical, so for most specialties like internal medicine, pediatrics, general surgery, um, all the years of treating are included. So for you know, internal medicine is three years. So if you matched into an internal medicine categorical program, all three years are included in training. So you have all that secured. Um, in specialties like radiology, PMNR, anesthesia, a good amount of those programs are advanced programs, so they only include the second year residency onward, so they don't include the first year or the intern year. So that's where there's something called prelim programs, where it only includes the first year residency, and the three most common ones are the transitional years, the prelim IM, and then the prelim surgery. There's also prelim pediatrics and prelim ob but they're very rare and they're usually not used for the purposes of you know transitioning into an advanced program. And then the last one, um, really not relevant for fourth year medical students, um, there's a thing called R programs, which are physician research programs, and they include usually the second year um, onwards for training. I didn't know about any of these, so that that's very helpful to know. Um, Okay, so you've been through this experience, you've you've done the work, you've gone in letters, you've got into the placement that you have now. So what are the next steps for you? Sure, yes. Yeah. So I unfortunately only partially matched into prelim surgery at Harvard UCLA. So I do have to reapply to the match again to try to get into radiology again. Um, so at the moment, I've been kind of looking through my application with some of the PACE advisors here at CUSM, which includes like Alan and Christina, they've been super great just to, you know, try to see like, you know, if there were things I could have row a little bit better or, you know, try to see my application a little bit better rather than just, you know, putting in a whole bunch of stuff and hoping it works. Um, so that's like kind of like the immediate next step. And then I start my intern year in June 20th. So I really had to, you know, work my butt off because I, and required to get a letter from my program director when I apply next year, since I will be a resident when I apply. Um, so uh, it's a little bit, you know, nerve wracking that, you know, I have to kind of impress them and um, have to like perform super well to get like a good letter, which uh, the people are super nice over there at Harvard. So I am pretty excited and I think they have my best interest at heart. So they are aware of my situation and they're, we're like super supportive and willing to help me wherever they can. So I'll be definitely doing doing some radiology electives because luckily for a lot of prelim programs, you get some elective time. Uh, most of people use it to try to get like free vacations. But I think for me, since I had to reapply again, uh, I chose electives that would help me in trying to match again. So radiology, obviously, and then I'll be... I think about dual applying to neurology just to get like a full match because at this point, like the more like matches you go through and you're not successful, then like the less likely you can match in general. So 
you know, you just have to be practical. Like, you know, I, I really want radiology, but, you know, it gets to a certain point where, like, it's decreased your chances of matching as an MD grad because programs can filter out between, like, MD seniors, MD grads, um, IMGs, or even, like, DOs. So, unfortunately, there's going to be some barriers being an MD graduate, <laughs> um, which I can definitely talk about, like, you know, the different choices you have to make during the match. So there's that. And then when I apply, since I'm a intern, I can, I'm eligible to apply for everything. So not just the advanced position, but also the position or positions. Um, yeah, I, I do kind of want to know, could you expand a little bit on what it's like picking um, programs that you're going to put on your list? Sure, yeah. So there are a lot of things that kind of come into mind when choosing programs to apply to. Um, in today's day and age where you can interview online, I think the <laughs> overall consensus is to apply to a whole bunch of programs and hope one bites. Um, so I think for just throwing out your application, uh, depending on your budget, of course, it's super expensive to apply to. So for me, I decide to kind of prioritize geographic locations at first. So, you know, West Coast programs were my first go-to just because I would have a lot of support, um, but also programs also want students that would come to them, so it was kind of a no-brainer to apply to the West Coast. And then for anything outside of that geographical region, I kind of based it off of, you know, what kind of programs they offer. So looking at their websites and seeing, like, oh, like, they have, like, X mentorship program, or, you know, they do research on X, Y, and Z that I might be interested in. So it, it takes it takes quite a while to kind of figure out which programs I applied to. So in total, I applied to 150-ish programs, which costed around like four to five k. So yeah, if for any anyone out there, budget your money for <laughs> application season. Um, around one third of those were prelims so i originally i only applied for transitional years and prelim i am uh, i actually did not apply to any prelim surgery originally um just because um you know a lot of people just want like a chill like intern year and you know the infamous you know, surgery long hours and that stuff so i kind of played into that a little bit and tried to get into like the ty's and prelim i am so then the other two-thirds were all, like, radiology programs. Majority were, you know, advanced programs, but there are a few, like, categorical here and there. So I threw out those applications and then played the waiting game, and I didn't get, like, too many interviews. I only got eight RADS interviews, one TY interview, and one prelim IM interview. So not too many bites, so that sort of, like, you know, worried me that I might not match anywhere uh, just because of like the low number of interviews so then during my harvard ucla interview i actually interviewed there for radiology they did offer like linked prelim years which are if i had matched into harvard ucla i would automatically be put into one of the prelim years and they said they didn't require an interview so i was like oh like no interview required i'll just you know tack these on to so I already applied to the prelim IM there, but I was like, why not throw in prelim surgery there as well? Oh. Um, so I I only applied to the linked surgery program, not the standalone one. And in February, I got an email from the surgery department, like, yeah, hey, we want to interview you. And I was like, oh, this is 
unusual. I only applied for your linked program, which doesn't require an interview, right. but I went anyways, and I actually loved it. Like, the people were all, like, super nice, and, you know, they did, like, a lot to kind of see, like, oh, what they do for their interests that don't match, because I think at that point, I really want to prioritize an intern year program that would be super supportive in reapplication because that was kind of in the prospects for me considering the low numbers and like the competitiveness of radiology and when it came to ranking the program so obviously i put all the ratch programs on top because you know i want radiology and here comes like the difficult decision because you could put in like the prelim programs um, in your main match list so for putting your list for radiology for advanced programs, there's a thing called a supplemental list where if you match that advanced program, then you have a separate list for all the intern years that you interviewed at. Because, you know, some people might prioritize, you know, they don't want to move twice, so they try to pick a intern year that's close to the advanced program. But um, you can also put intern years in your uh, main list. So in the case that you don't match any of like your advanced programs, you can still match a prelim. So for me, my reasoning at the time was, I think I'm interested in applying again to radiology. So if I put in these intern year programs in my main list, at least they'll give me a year to reapply and get more experience and give me the opportunity to apply again. Versus um, if I didn't match anything, then I would be in a position where, you know, I could soap into another um, prelim year, but they're usually the non-desirable ones, or, you know, soap into a completely different specialty. So there are these, like, really hard choices that <laughs> you have to make while making your rank list. Yeah. Um, so for many recent medical school graduates who, who don't match, um, which have which is the reality for many students, like, do you feel like that's, uh, like, a result that you can prepare for that you can like that there are things you can do to prepare yourself for that possibility or not really um i think it kind of depends on like the confidence of the applicant so for me because i didn't have too many interviews i was kind of racing myself mentally that okay like this might be a possibility that i would have to go through the soap but there were some other people that they got way more interviews like they got like you know 15 plus interviews and they ended up not matching any of them so they weren't prepared at all to go into like the soap so <laughs> I see. yeah there's like depending on your situation like you know you could kind of you know brace for it or you know you just go the high line and just you know hope it doesn't happen or you just feel so confident it doesn't happen and it ends up happening and then it just feels awful like i remember on monday it said like no congratulations you matched a one-year position like my my heart sunk like i my mom was like on the phone with me like when i was opening that email because i was really 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 hoping i would match in radiology but that didn't happen so no. yeah i mean i could definitely imagine that being tough and could you share however you feel like sharing but could you explain kind of a little bit of what you what kind of was going through your head when you saw this letter i know that i've seen the match letters for it and it says like congratulations and it it sounds very happy but i know it's like not the it's not the result that you wanted and that you worked for right that you so could you talk about what was going through your head in that moment 
Sure, yeah. So, I mean, my heart sucked a little bit initially, and then since, you know, I didn't fully match, I only matched a prelim, I got called in by the school to kind of go on campus and participate in SOAP. So I didn't really have, like, too much time to, like, grieve and process it originally because um, in SOAP week, so Monday we get our results, and then that same day, if we had the SOAP, we had to craft a completely new application to send out to any programs that are left over. Um, so I kind of was like, you know, I just had to you know, get these applications out um, and hope for the best. So in my situation, since I already matched prelim, the only places I can soap into are the advanced programs, and there were barely any. <laughs> yeah, so that was one thing I didn't think about too much, was that if I went the route I did, I would be locked out of soaping into a categorical, so, you know, switching specialties completely. Um, so I was kind of hitting my head <laughs> about making that decision at the time, because, you know, you're just, like, so emotional, and you're just like, oh, like, what do I do? Like, I just locked myself out from being able to, you know, apply to these programs during SOAP. So the only programs I applied to were, like, two IR programs. But I, I, I knew I wasn't going to get in. Like, my app wasn't geared towards IR, and IR super competitive. So it was Tuesday when I was able to kind of get most of my grieving out of the way. And I actually cried for the first time in decades. Like, usually I don't get emotional, but I was, like, in the room with uh, our counselor, Dr. Wright, and I yelled out some really, like, unsavory things I kind of yelled at. Like, I should have never went to medical school. Like, it was such a bad decision for me to pursue this path. And and I just, like, I just broke down in tears. Like, because, like, you know, you just, you get groomed out to be like, oh, like, you're gonna match. There so many people were, like, confident I was gonna match. Like, a lot of my mentors were. And then during some of the interviews, you kind of get, like, juiced up a little bit. Like, oh, like, see you next year. And then during, like, the prelim surgery interview with Harvard UCLA, they're like, yeah, like, we only interviewed you because we feel very confident you'll match into your primary specialty. <laughs> so, even though I was like, kind of racing to go into this stuff, but there's, like, you know, so many people that lead to me and then just not getting the result and just feeling like I failed everyone. <laughs> so, just, you know, having all those feelings and, you know, and being like, oh, I made, like, so many stupid decisions and, it's just a you just can't think straight because you know just a week before or I should say probably a month before when I was thinking my match list I was like you know okay I I am okay with partially matching just because I want to reapply to radiology and then I do a complete one eighty and I'm like dang it I shouldn't have put in my prelim positions on my main list so then I can just you know switch gears and just know soap into a categorical and just be finished with it but I think that whole week. Since I didn't have any interviews to go to because, you know, I only applied to two IR programs and, you know, I probably wasn't going to get an interview in the first place. I spent most of the time just trying to process everything that happened, tried to get better emotionally. And by, like, you know, Thursday, the day before, like, the faded match day, I was kind of more at peace with, you know, my decision, not 100% at peace, but, you know, I kind of accepted the result that, you know, this is what the algorithm spit out um well the money email if you don't match it shows the city and the app and the zip code 
where you did match that. So I already knew I was going to be at Harbor because it's you know, Torrens, um, California. So, you know, it wasn't going to be a surprise on Friday, like where I was going to go to, but I was like, Oh, like it's like Harbor used to like, it's like a good place. There's a lot of resources. The people there are like super nice. There's a real program there. I can try to, you know, get connections with, I think I'm at a good spot to reapply. So after doing that, I was able to kind of go to match day, even though it was, you know, it's not a surprise. So I still kind of acted like, you know, it's like, yeah, be too like, oh my gosh. Oh my God. Yeah. No. Oh God. I was looking at that video. It was so cringy, but you know, it's, but you know, like it's my parents were there and a lot of people that, you know, were supporting me were there. So, you know, just trying to enjoy the moment and think about the future and hopefully get a match next year. Yeah. I mean, that is, that is definitely like a very emotional experience. So I could, I could understand why, why you had the feelings that you had and why you, you know, said some of the things that you said. And yeah, I mean, like the, the medical school journey and like, or like a journey into being a physician and practicing and doing what you want to be doing is like long and it's hard and you put in a lot of work towards it. And you're right. There's like so many people that are so supportive and that's incredible and amazing. And it really helps you push through the process. But at the same time, like, it's also like when you don't get what everyone had been saying you or like what everyone had hoped for you for, it's, it's both like, have I let these people down? And also like, like, was I maybe too much in my head that I didn't realize, you know, the reality of the situation or something. But I think that a lot of this is like, it's very unpredictable. Like you can be working so hard and, and feel very confident. And like you said, like it, you might not get what you had hoped for. And so I'm glad you were able to process it. I'm glad that you are in a place where you feel prepared or like you feel like you can, like you're ready for applying again next year. So that's really exciting. I'm really excited for you. So that being said, now that you are getting ready to start at Harbor UCLA, how are you feeling now? Um, I feel pretty excited to first of them finally get paid <laughs> for what I do. <laughs> so Harbor UCLA, they have like a really juicy like compensation package because they're one of the few unionized residency programs. So like my stipend is like around like seventy k before taxes. Wow. And then there's like a ten k housing stipend on top of that but it is taxed and then uh three meals a day when i'm working completely covered and then you know health insurance everything's covered so basically getting compensated it's like my first like actual full-time gig so i never had a full-time job before this so that'll be super exciting and then you know being like the intern is gonna be super exciting to kind of get like you know more and more like I shouldn't say like autonomous, but like, you know, there's graduated responsibilities. So, you know, as a med student, you know, you see your patients and you recommend some things, but, you know, you can't put in orders or there's like, you know, certain things you can't do as a med student. So as like, you know, a resident, at least I can kind of do more for my patients. So that's like one thing I'm really looking forward to. But it's also kind of nervous, you know, just you're the doctor, you have to make the decisions and I mean, luckily, there's an attending that's, like, supervising, so, you know, interns were not, like, free-flowing and doing whatever we want. Um, but still, like, there's, like, you know, that level of, like, you know, the nurses will be paging me. They're the person that I'm the person that they'll be looking to to figure out how to, like, manage their patients or, you know, if, like, you know, the emergency happens, I have to, like, you know, make a split decision on what to do. 
and then on top of that, I have to reapply again to residency, so I have to figure out how to do my interviews during, you know, 80, 200-hour work weeks. I mean, I probably should say 80, because, you know, it's not legal to go about that for ACGME, but, um, but yeah, it's over 80. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, just time management um, and trying to fit in both reapplying and uh, doing my work as an intern at the same time, but... Um, at least I can, you know, apply to like more programs. So the position research program, at least I, those are open to me. So there's not too many, um, it varies year by year, but at least with those programs, if I end up getting to one of those programs, I won't have a gap year. Uh, so I can start immediately after intern year, but for, you know, if I match the D1 to A positions, the advanced positions, I'll have a gap year between my intern year and my advanced programs, so my future is like very uncertain. But you know, I've already kind of thought of a couple things to do during the gap year if that were to happen, such as you know, teaching at CUSM. So, oh, yeah, no, I, I talked with Dr. Javidi um, during like grad fest, and I was like, oh, like, can you give me like a job if, <laughs> if I end up having a gap? He's like, yeah, sure, like you can go and teach clinical skills. And, oh, yeah, yeah, so guest so, appearance for Bao at clinical skills, That'd I know you cool. for the whole year. <laughs> Um, yeah, so could you, I guess, clarify for me what your, like, what your future plans are now? So when you, like, what are you going to be, um, reapplying into? Oh, yeah, so, um, so radiology, and then I'll be applying to neurology programs as well. So I'll be dual applying, um, I'll probably apply to as many programs as possible, so... I'll, I'll, so for radiology, I'll apply for everything, so categorical, I'm willing to repeat my intern year if I have to. Um, advanced programs, so I'm willing to, you know, do a gap year because the advanced programs, they start a year after the match. They don't start immediately. And then the ideally, like, the R program, because they start, you know, the June or July right after match, so I won't have a gap in my training. And then for neurology, uh, I'll be applying to the categorical programs. Um, unfortunately, with their advanced programs, the intern year needs to have at least like eight months of IM from what I've learned <laughs> recently. So my surgery premier won't count for that. So unfortunately, I think that will lock me out of all of those programs. So, but yeah, like neurology was kind of the rotation. I discovered radiology and I was like a neuroscience major in undergrad. And I was thinking about neurovats as like my subspecialty within radiology. So it's kind of fitting that I would, yeah. you know, apply neurology and radiology. Um, I mean, there were, you know, some thought that maybe I should have done it, you know, this most recent cycle, like dual applying, but I think I just liked radiology a lot, so I think I was, made the conscious choice to just, you know, give myself another year to try again, and the end of it's almost like pros and cons, you know, if I, you know, match to, like, neuromediately, then, like, you know, will I have, like, the thoughts of, like, oh, like, maybe I could have mm-hmm. been a radiologist if I had tried again, or... Yeah. yeah. It's a lot of things going in my head recently, but I think this is, like, the best choice for me at the moment, just to, you know, reapply and, you know, try again. And if I can't get radiology, then I think I can be satisfied saying that I tried everything I could to get in. And, you know, maybe it was just never meant to be. And, you know, I can always find happiness in another specialty, because at the end of the day, like, the thing I'm most passionate about is probably teaching, but also, you know, taking care of patients. Like, that was like, the humanistic aspects of the thing that, you know, motivated me to get into medicine. Um, 
you can find that in any specialty and at the end of the day that's what motivates me yeah Oh, I love that so full circle. I'm I'm really excited for you too. I know this is like not the the outcome that you had manifested in your head, right? But um, I am really excited for you moving forward to to go through this process and 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 see like what what is in store for Dr. Bao Wu moving forward. Um, yeah, and you're, you're totally right. I was thinking this um as you were talking too about you know at the end of the day, a lot of us go into medicine because we care about like the humanistic aspect of healing and like of patient care so you're totally right like you can do that in any specialty and in any capacity so yeah i'm just very excited for you thank you you know i'm super excited to you know finally you know manifest like now i want to be a doctor i want to see patients now i can be that person that you know helps patients and you know listens to them cares for them even though as an intern but still like it's I've always, like, no, not always, but, like, you know, I've dreamed for this for a really long time. Yeah, I mean, you're there. You are. Um, okay, so for the students that are starting the process that you are now kind of on the other side of, do you have any advice for them, for those who are applying to residency next year? Sure, yeah. So I'll probably break it down to, like, no, before you send in the application and during interview season and then ranking. Um, so I'll start with, you know, before you send in the application, my biggest piece of advice is to kind of advocate for yourself. So when you're getting letters, you know, you, you know, medicine's like very like hierarchical. So it's very, you know, intimidating to kind of ask attendings like, yeah, like, can I get a strong letter recommendation? (laughs) Yeah, no, please give me one. Um, So, but you just have to realize that they've been through it before and a lot of them are in academics just because they want to kind of reciprocate. You know, they love teaching. They love seeing like their students, you know, move on to greater and bigger things. And then, you know, sometimes like life happens. So you do have to be, you know, a little pushy. So, you know, send up reminders, which was one thing I was really bad at doing because I'm very like, you know, I don't want to be like very bothersome. So I'm just going to. Maybe ask like once in a while, but if it never happens, then whatever, it doesn't happen. So I think I wish I had been more, you know, on, you know, more pushy or, you know, standing up like for myself or the letters. Um, and then during the application itself, so it's actually changing this year. So instead of being able to put as many experiences as possible, you are capped at 10. So you have to be very intentional about how, which experiences you put in and how you theme them. And that was one thing that, I realized I didn't do looking back on my application. I was like, because back then, like when you could put as many things as possible, you're basically just playing a numbers game. So you're just slapping as many things as possible and, you know, inflating those numbers. But right now I had wished that I kind of themed things a bit more appropriately. So, you know, I really love teaching. I love mentoring. You know, I love to, you know, like volunteer and work with like underserved populations. So, you know, being able to like have those kinds of themes so probably it's gonna be like oh like this is like you know a person that we want so because you know at the end of the day you kind of want to go to a program that fits all of your needs and some programs don't offer you know what you want and some don't offer that so you know just have to theme it and you know just work with it and then during interview season the biggest thing that i would say is to kind of be yourself which is a little bit corny but do some research on like the programs because 
remember the programs some of them have incentives to kind of rank highly on their list um some due to ego um some due to i've heard rumors on reddit like i think if they match highly on their list or they rank too low there's some like monetary incentive so that's kind of a fortune that sometimes you know money comes into play so do research on the programs and have like a really good answer on like why our program so that's definitely one thing that i'm working on this upcoming cycle is having better responses to that because i felt my response was a bit too generic and you can easily have been interchanged with any program and then with ranking I would definitely try to find um, someone that knows like the ranking process and goes over like, okay, like if you make your list like this, then this is what will happen if you match or this is what happens when you don't match. Because I didn't really have anyone to kind of fully explain that to me. So when I was making my list, I was mostly going off like, oh, like I like like this program. And then I'll throw throw my prelims because I think I would like to reapply to radiology. So I didn't, have the knowledge, or at least I wasn't thinking about, oh, if I had partially matched, and that would lock me out of applying the categoricals <laughs> during SOAP. Yeah, there's strategy to the list. Yeah, so um, definitely reach out to people that know the process so they can guide you and help you make informed decisions. Um, because there were a couple of classes of mine that, you know, they were super scared that weren't going to match, so they put in every single program that the interview that even though some of them they like did not like and then unfortunately lo and behold they end up matching at said program <laughs> so they were not happy like i mean they were like you know they were like you know at least i matched but they were just like not happy about where they matched so they're so you have, definitely have like someone to kind of explain like you know the choices that you're making <laughs> during your rank list because it's it's a huge thing to <laughs> certify that rank list and you're kind of stuck with you know whatever the algorithm gives you yeah. Yeah, so I'm like thinking like wow this this rank list is is very important. I mean I like for me, um rising M two and so the most recent application I can remember is applying to medical school and a lot of your advice I feel like is applicable too to that process. So if there's any listeners that are in the medical school application process, this advice applies to you too. Um and I remember picking what schools I wanted to apply to was also a very big deal. Um, and like kind of having to be strategic about which schools I was going to, and also money, right? Like uh, how many programs can I realistically apply to? So that to me sounds very similar. So it, the cycle repeats again. <laughs> it's a money grab. <laughs> no, it, it literally is a money grab. Um, like I said, I think I said before, I spent like four or five K just on sending out the applications. <laughs> but there's a separate um, fee to... Um, make your rank list so you have to pay I think like 85 bucks oh. to even open that up and then if you go above like the 20 ranks you have to pay on top of that like every single additional rank yeah, it's, no. it's expensive it's it's a money grab like the oh, step yeah. step exams are a couple hundred and then yeah. a couple thousand to apply to a whole bunch of programs and then for people there's a couple that couple smashed um since you know oh, they yeah. have like so many combinations oh boy they their rank lists were super expensive. So for yeah, for anyone, for any medical students or any pre-med out there, um, yeah, definitely budget a whole bunch of money for this process. Yeah, it it is an investment for sure. Um, 
Do you have any advice for medical students like myself in general outside of um, like the residency application process? Um, definitely have a life outside of medicine. Um, there's a, I mean, it's kind of related to residency, but, you know, medical school is hard, but you, you always want to make time for yourself to kind of like stay healthy, you know, physically and mentally. Um, but also it's like the best thing for your patients because, you know, I think there's a saying like you can't take care of patients if you can't take care of yourself or, or I forgot what the exact saying was, but yeah, like a lot of people, including myself, especially during my first year, I definitely let my health like go on the side like I was camping at school like 24 7 oh, wow <laughs> just because like you know I was like so worried about like you know getting the highest grades possible <laughs> even though it was just like pass fail but I still had that like undergrad mindset of oh I had to like you know be perfect in everything and eventually you know I just had to like tone it down because like I just like the only thing I was doing was going to school studying eating sleeping repeat so at least during my second year, I was able to, you know, make more time for, like, my hobbies, like, playing tennis, drinking tennis rackets, all that stuff. And a lot of that stuff actually came up during my interviews. So, because there's a hobby section, and you could put in, you know, appropriate hobbies, I should say, um, into there. And, you know, the interview is much more fun compared to, you know, just asking the behavioral questions or, you know, the typical interview questions. So yeah, don't neglect your hobbies because you get a space to put those in and a lot of interviews will probably have you talk about them. Oh, wow. That's that's cool. I didn't know that there was a space for hobbies in there. Um, yeah, so don't lose yourself in the process, right? There's, I think that a lot of the things that make you you are really important factors into like like drivers, things that keep you grounded, reasons why you do things. Um, but also... Like make you more human and more relatable and like would allow you like you said to you know provide the kind of care you want to give for your patient because what if your patient plays tennis like suddenly there's like a bond there that um you like gain a little bit of trust in that way right oh yeah no those are those are super helpful when it comes to relating to patients absolutely um and also like also between like co-workers as well so remember in residency you're it's pretty much like a job interview so the program and like the residents they want residents they can work well with and won't cause that much trouble and we'll still have a life and you know be healthy because the last thing they want to do is you know if someone kind of goes down the drain then you know that kind of puts a burn on everyone so yeah yeah it's important to have outlets for sure um to take care of yourself i'm glad you you found that like uh, by your second year right so that's really good i know for me it's taken me like the whole first year to to feel like okay I've got a groove going I can work out now and I'm not like compromising my studying or something so balance is key everyone yeah don't lose your hobbies okay I do kind of want to ask so today's episode a lot of what we're talking about is your experience and the whole match process um so from all of that what has been your like biggest takeaway that you got from this this whole experience i think the biggest takeaway from all the schooling i just went through is to kind of like count your victories so it's very very easy to kind of go through like a self-deprecation episode when things like this happen so for me it was like you know like oh i'm not good enough like 
I should have went to medicine. I, I not good enough. And just forgetting that, you know, I got into medical school, which has like a really low admissions rate, and then finishing medical school, passing step one, step two. So there are a lot of things that, you know, I succeeded in, but, you know, just the just losing that perspective just because, you know, a big failure comes by that the biggest thing I had to kind of reframe my work is like, you know, being able to like count my victories, even though like, you know, things happen like throughout life. So, you know, bumps in a row. So it's just like a speed bump at the end of the day. Like it's not like, you know, I lost my opportunity to get a medical license or, you know, or, you know, I got like, you know, banned from like the medical community. So it's not like, you know, it's not at that extreme yet, but you know, it's just like, you know, my training will be like, you know, delayed by like maybe like a year and, you know, I have to, spend lots of money and you know balance reapplying and doing my intern year so you know it might have to be harder but at least i still have like the chance to you know do what i really want to do and you know if i end up not getting radiology and end up going somewhere else um, that'll still be like you know an achievement you know i still like you know will match somewhere and then get board certified in something (laughs) at least and then you know just serve patients at the end of the day and make a fulfilling career out of it so. yeah absolutely i yeah i really like i really like that takeaway like the it's important to look back at the journey you've been on to remind yourself right of of all the accomplishments that you have made and there's always like new ones that you want to pursue like new accomplishments that you want to to get but when you are feeling like down when that like imposter syndrome starts to creep in right it's so important to think about how far you have come because there's a lot of hardships that you did overcome to get here Oh, yeah. Like, I for medical school, I actually had to apply twice as well to get into med school. So I guess I'm just, like, the second chance guy. So <laughs> I always have to... I, I really hope not, but, you know, like, every, every single thing professionally I have to apply twice into, which oh, no. will kind of suck. But, you know, because I do want to... I'm thinking about fellowship as well. And, mm. I mean, usually, at least for most subspecialties, it's... At least in radiology-wise, it's not too bad getting into, like, a fellowship, like, you know, you know, neurorads versus, you know, MSK or whatever, but, you know, it's going to be, like, funny if I had to, like, apply twice to fellowship or oh, apply this... apply so many times to get my full, like, attending job or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> it'll be part of your story, though. It's okay. Yeah, I, I always think about, you know, what would, what would like, 10-year-old Rhea think of me now? Like, if, if she saw me, would she be proud of me? And I, the answer is usually always yes so there are you know so many incredible things we have done in our lifetimes to get to where we are now so i i'm very proud of you thank you so much (laughs) i'm so excited um okay so last question for me before we close off today arguably one of the most important questions (laughs) what has been one of your most favorite memories from medical school now that we are sending you off into the big bad world I think it's definitely med games from my M1 year. Um, so med games is a competition between all the SoCal med schools minus Loma Linda. So there's like a bunch of sports competitions like soccer, flag football, volleyball. Um, there's also some like, you know, non-athletic ones like chess and Super Smash Bros. Um, so I was the team captain for the Super Smash Bros team because I was like the best person at the school so i would like you know bring my switch and we would play super smash Bros. during lunch and casual flex (laughs) casual flex so i ended up being like team captain and 
originally it was like a huge headache because they couldn't decide whether they would do melee for the GameCube versus Ultimate for the Switch. And uh, I only really played like Ultimate. I played melee back then, but it's like a way more tactical game. And I was really hoping for like Ultimate to be the game. So eventually they chose Ultimate to be the game. And so we did like a whole bunch of practices for both like the one-on-one tournament. And there's also crew battle, which is you get like a team of players from each side and they have like a certain amount of like lives and then whichever the team loses all their lives first loses. Um, so head over to um, January of 2020. Uh, we were at USC and our first match crew wise was against Western who were defending champions last year for melee. Oh. Um, so crew battle, it was like four on four. Each person had like a three limes. Um, so the first person on their team took out my first two teammates. And then I was the third person. And then I ended up sweeping the whole team. No! <laughs> yep. So that ended up being the story for like most of the crew battles. Uh, minus like UCLA. Um, just because like UCLA, they only had like two people with them. So they were able to like, you know, go twice effectively. And it was towards like the end where I was like super, not super tired, but I was getting a little bit like fatigued as well. But we end up tying with Western U, like three wins to one loss on crew. And then for the one-on-one tournament, I pretty much won the whole thing. So it was... Oh my so, gosh. So yeah, we, we got first place at Super Smash Bros, which like we're I'm like super proud of putting our name out there. And then our biggest goal for our school was not to get like last place for net games because for each event, you get like points towards mm-hmm. like your total. So we end up getting fourth place out of seven schools, which is okay. super impressive because you know, we only had two classes with us and we had first places in Smash Bros and chess and then we had second in dodgeball and then we had like some I forgot the other place for the other sports. But yeah, I was like super bummed that like no COVID canceled the med games during the rest of my med school career. But they're bringing it back next year so I'm Yes. Really excited to see like you know, where our school ends up. I am really year. looking forward to it. Uh, we cannot lose the Smash Bros. title. Uh, um, I'm I'm pretty confident with like some of the underclassmen. Um, I I play with a couple of them, and I think this year, if we had met games this year, I believe I think when the underclassmen might have won the one on one tournament, or it would have been like you know, or like second, like it. Like, we go back and forth quite a bit during our matches, so I think it could have went, like, either way, and then it's very unpredictable, you know, if, like, some, like, pros, like, you know, go go to med school, because that has happened before. Really? <laughs> yeah, wow. there's a player named Alod. He is a current, he's currently a PGY1 orthopedic surgery resident. Wow. And he is, like, one of the top players in the world, like, in some more recent terms, I think Super Smash Con a couple years ago, I think he made top four, I believe. Wow. And just considering there are like some of the gods of melee over there. So, so yeah, don't assume that like med students can't do well in video games. Like, it, it has yeah. happened before. So, medical students are more than just medicine. We've got other things we're good at too. All right. Thank you so much, Val, um, for sharing your story with us today, for being so open and willing and um, to, to talk about what experience you've gone through. Um, once again, I've been saying it throughout this, but I'm very excited for you. Congratulations on graduation. Yeah, and I, I can't wait to see what 
what your story looks like from now. Hopefully no more second... No, I mean, yes, second chances, but more like, I don't want to wish second chances on you. I want you to get them on your first try moving forward, but um, I'm excited for you. Thank you for coming today. Thank you so much for having me and giving me the opportunity to kind of share my experience and, you know, spread some wisdom on the fucking, the darker, dirtier sides of the match. Yeah. Thanks for listening, everyone. If you have any questions, comments, or episode suggestions, please email us at oumpodcast at cusm.org. That's O-U-M-P-O-D-C-A-S-T at C-U-S-M dot org.